At Lyft, we love the Word of God. It's the inspired letters of God to us. And it governs our lifestyle, and it tells us more about our God, reveals to us what we are celebrating this weekend, the Easter weekend. And of course, um, we celebrated Easter Friday, Jesus dying on the cross for all of mankind, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. And he died on the cross for us. And today, we celebrate the fact that he rose from the dead. And um, if there's one service that I do remember as a child very, very clearly, it is the Easter Sunday service. Easter Sunday service um, was always very bright within my memory for many, many different reasons. I don't know whether it was because of all of the Easter eggs we got. Now, I know we opened it on Easter Monday, but um, uh, my life felt um, that I could live it in color because of Easter Sunday, the resurrection of Jesus, celebrating that, the fact that he rose from the dead. And um, again, it is such a privilege for me to speak to you from Matthew chapter 28. Ken read the scripture for us in the beginning, and it is worthy to be read again. It's God's word, God speaking to us. So as I read together with you, listen to the Holy Spirit as we read this passage of scripture again. Verse 1 says, After the Sabbath, at the dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake. Well, they've had a few within the span of three days. There was one on Friday when Jesus died, when he breathed his last breath. There was also a violent earthquake. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like light, was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow. The gods were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. Can you repeat these words in verse 6 with me? On the count of three, one, two, three. He is not here. He has risen. That's the gospel message, isn't it? Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said unto them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. 
incredible truth that is spoken to us here. Father, as we look at the word of God this morning, would you breathe life into what would be said and what we would be hearing this morning, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The period between the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead was one of the most difficult times for the believers in Jesus. They saw Jesus taken from them and he didn't fight back. Many of Jesus' friends over that time forsook him. They were confused in their belief that he was the promised Messiah who was to deliver them from the oppression of Rome. They saw him die and they were uncertain about the future. These women who went to the tomb were met by an angel within their space of being perplexed and confused and uncertain of the times that they were living in, encountered this heavenly host, this angel, and the angel spoke to them and said, do not be afraid. My friends, a number of times before Jesus died, he would speak to his disciples and he would tell them that this was gonna happen. And his disciples would fight him on this and he would tell them on numerous occasions that he would rise again from the dead, even though he would be crucified. It was a repeated message that he gave to them. So how come did these ladies who rushed to the tomb not believe that Jesus would be resurrected? How come his own very close friends didn't believe that he would rise again. We know on the way to Emmaus that Jesus spoke to two disciples after he was resurrected from the dead. And they were sad. They were almost depressed, the Bible says. And, and they were talking amongst each other and they were saying, but he said this and he said that, but they didn't believe that he actually had been risen from the dead, that he rose. Why didn't his close friends believe him? We know that even Peter who walked so closely with them before Jesus was crucified, when he was taken, denied Jesus. Why didn't they believe him? You know, and I asked myself this question as I was looking at this passage, particularly the, the, these, these women. Uh, these were really, really spiritual ladies. Um, Mary Magdalene, she had seven devils cast out of her, demons. She was the one who prepared Jesus for his burial. She took her head, dipped it in, in ointment and, and wiped Jesus' feet. She was preparing him for his burial. And yet when the moment came when Jesus died, when he was buried, their faith failed. But again, I don't think you and I are very different from them. Would you agree? 
There are times within our lives where we don't fully believe what he actually says to us. And so the times that they were living in were definitely fearful times. If they did this to Jesus, they thought, what will Rome do to us? If Jesus was going to be our promised Messiah and lift us from the impression that we were under and he's dead now, what is going to happen? So there was great fear within their hearts. My friends, in the day that we live in, we don't have a whole lot of certainty either. We see to some degree even the banking system in Switzerland, who would have thought, is under pressure. Who would have thought that? Switzerland, if you ask people, what is Switzerland known for? Certainly on the outside, the international community, they would say to you, for the banking system. I have a lot of fun when I sit down with people who don't know me and we have a meal together and they would say, what do you do? Why are you here in Switzerland? And I let them guess what they think my profession is. And I, well, 100% of the time they miss it. They say, you just don't look like a pastor. And I take that as a compliment. <laughs> the number one answer every time is, are you a banker? <laughs> the banking system is under pressure. We know that we are trusting God for our jobs. People are being laid off in Switzerland. And yet, it used to be such a secure environment. So even here, there is a certain amount of uncertainty and fear within the hearts of people. I mean, uh, 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 just one journalist confessed just today, and I was reading his comments, and he said, COVID is over in America finally. That's a year after our time. That was the confession in America because now people can travel to America who do not have a COVID injection. I don't know whether it's right now, but they lifted the law. It will probably come into being a little while later. I know uh, Djokovic can play later on in the US Open um, tennis. So they've lifted that. Fearful times that we've come out of. COVID was a very unstable time. My friends, in a similar way, these people who ran to the tomb experienced similar fears. I just want us to look at four sayings that will strengthen your faith in faithless times. Jesus asked the question in Luke chapter 18 verse 8, to his disciples, he says, will the Son of Man, when he comes, find faith on the earth? Scripture in the book of Matthew, around chapter 28, says that um, perilous times will come, and many will forsake the faith. That's what Scripture says. So, so we know that our faith will become more and more pressurized as we live for Jesus. But when I look at this passage of Scripture, it fills me with a great sense of hope. And I'd like us to look at 
these four messages that will strengthen your faith in faithless times. Firstly, when we look at Matthew chapter 28, verse 5, the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. The first message that Jesus gave to these women through the angel was do not be afraid. The phrase do not be afraid in some shape or form occurs 365 times. It's a relevant theme within our lives. Maybe you're afraid of bad news. You may be afraid that your questions about your faith will remain unanswered. And if they are answered, you may be afraid that it requires a lifestyle change. And so you kind of take a step backwards in confronting what you know is very, very important. You may be afraid of the future challenges in which you feel ill-equipped. What's going to happen into the future? I know with our children, we, we, we felt similar when they were in a younger age. How do we prepare them for the times that are coming? You know, how do, the, how do we prepare them for, for their spouse? We pray often for our children's spouses. And when our children meet someone, um, one of the things we would want to say to them, and I can't reveal publicly whether they have met someone or not. As parents, you know, you never tell these things publicly. But I would like to say to them this. We've been praying for you for years. How do we prepare ourselves for these future challenges? Well, the angel says to these women, do not be afraid. The researcher says that stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline are released when there is anxiety or fear within our lives. Your blood pressure and heart rate increases. You start breathing faster. Even your blood flow changes. Well, I felt like that when I met Jenny for the first day. So I don't think that was fear or anxiety. Maybe it was. But there is something that rises, rises up within us. Someone says that uh, a fear is like an iceberg. The bigger part is under the surface in the subconscious mind. And um, it manifests itself through negative thoughts. I don't know whether you experience that. I sometimes lie in bed at nights and I have these negative thoughts. And sometimes I've got to delve deep down within my heart and I find out that it's something within my subconscious that's um, producing these negative thoughts and oftentimes it is fear, it is uncertainty. Um, negative, uh, uh, well, fear manifests itself in cynicism and we spoke briefly about that. You know, when we're fearful, we are not very faithful. 
fulfilled. We become cynical within our lives. And sometimes people who have been Christians for many, many years become cynical about things like um, being accountable to someone else within their lives because their accountability partner one day told something confidential about them to someone else. So you become cynical and you won't trust someone again. Or um, people become cynical about being prayed for for physical healing or emotional healing. We become cynical because we didn't see it happen. My friends, I want people to pray for me for physical healing every opportunity that I have. Amen? Don't ever become cynical about these things. Sometimes it's as a result of being let down, but oftentimes it's because of fear within our lives. Insomnia, sleepless nights, oftentimes is as a result of fear. And I've shared with you in the past that there are times when I've had periods within my life where I can't sleep. Maybe I would have three hours sleep a night. You know, and, 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 and we've got to just delve a little bit further down within our lives. And oftentimes it's, it's stuff that we are fearful about subconsciously. That iceberg principle. What you see on top is not quite a reflection with what is actually at the bottom there. Fear manifests itself in so many different ways. Or, and this one is a very, very real thing, it is imagined danger. And and I think as Christians, we fall into that category where we're imagining all of these things are going to happen if we don't do this. Scientists say that it is something like 80% of the things that we are afraid of never happen to us. imagined in dangers or imagined dangers. Now believe me, as your children get a little bit older, as they leave the house, you don't stop being concerned about them. As a matter of fact, you pray even more. You pray. As they go off to college or as they go and work, they, you know, in our community, they go to different countries. My goodness, Jenny and I pray for our children. And we've got to make sure that we don't pray out of the sense of imagined dangers. Yes, there are times when the Holy Spirit alerts us to the fact that we need to pray for our children. Agreed? But if we're always in that place where we just pray into imagined dangers, it's a sign that we lack peace within our lives. And oftentimes it is because we fear danger that would happen. I've tried over the years to turn my prayers positively when I pray for my children. Not just, Lord, get them out of trouble, but Lord, would you open up doors for them so that they can thrive and flourish? Isn't that a beautiful prayer to pray? We do that for our family too, for our church family. My friends, the angels came to the two Marys and the other gospels say that there were more ladies around them and they said, do not be afraid. Daniel Block says this about fear. 
It says, sometimes fear stems from real threats, but it can also originate from imagined dangers. While fear is a natural response to some situations, and we understand that, it can also lead to distress and disruption when extreme or out of proportion to the actual threat. God, would you come by your Holy Spirit today and would you just lift that off of us? Amen? Just lift that off of us. Anxiety shows, uh, shows itself because oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, there's that deep-seated fear within us. Lord, would you come and would you minister to us in this way? Matthew chapter 28, verse 8 says, So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. What, the, what a paradox there. Afraid yet filled with joy. My friends, there is a journey for you and I to be released from our fears and from our anxieties. Doesn't happen overnight. At times it can. I've seen it. Remember a pastor who led a church in the city where we lived in South Africa and he came out of that church and they, uh, they just went through tough times and he became a part of our church. And, and I remember the first three or four months while sitting in our services, he just wept and wept and wept and wept and wept. And the Holy Spirit was just coming in and, and just reviving his spirit with his family. And one day we just asked for people to come forward for us to pray for them. And I had the sense within my heart, God gave me a, 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 a discernment that there were people sitting here who just needed to be released from that extreme sadness that they had experienced. And as he came, he, he shot forward. And as we prayed for him, a team of people around him, we prayed for him. Just like this, God broke the back of that sadness, that grief. And automatically, from his heart, just gushed forth this incredible joy that only the Holy Spirit can bring. Does it happen every time like that? No. Are we cynical about it? No. If someone says, can I pray for you for joy? Say yes, please, every day. It's just one of those wonderful moments where God can just come and just fill us with his joy. My friends, the Easter message is this, that Christ overcame sin in all of its shapes and forms. And even the outflows of sin, like anxiety, like stress, like fear, those, those little outflows, Jesus overcame them. He's victorious over them. I have faith that God would lead you on a journey to release you from that and to release me from that. But I also have faith that God could do it at the end, in a moment. I have faith for that. My friends, the presence of joy will strengthen your faith during troubled times. And we see that this happened with these ladies. The second message that the angel gave to the women at the tomb as they were anticipating 
to see Jesus' body there. They saw his body, uh, well, they walked in there and they didn't see his body. The angel said that he had left. But my friends, they saw the cocoon of his clothing there. They saw um, the towel, the serviette, they call it, that was over his face. That was neatly folded, put away. There was no struggle. Jesus simply had been resurrected from the dead. The angel rolled that heavy big stone away. So, so these ladies encountered this reality as they saw the tomb there. They were afraid. What had happened? Do not be afraid, he says to them. In verse 28, verse 6, he is not here. He has risen just as he said. My friends, this means that Jesus is true to his word. Believe him. He is not here. He is risen. Just as he said. Jesus said at one time to the people and to his disciples in Matthew chapter 12, verses 39 to 40, he says, an evil and adulterous generation seek after a sign. And no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man be there three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus was speaking to the people and to the disciples. He says, this is what is going to happen to me. Jesus prophesied that he would die just like Jonah, but after three days he would be risen. He would rise from the dead. He says, this is going to happen. Those were the words of Jesus. And then we see again in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. That there, that where I am, there you may be also. Again, Jesus promises that he will leave, but he will come back again. They didn't believe it. And so here again, the angels say to Mary and to the disciples, believe what Jesus had said. He is not here. He is risen. My friends, belief in God's promises will anchor your faith in turbulent times. Grab a hold of this book. Was it Isaiah or Jeremiah that says that we need to eat this word? Eat it. Read it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. So that you could know the promises of God. God's promises will anchor your faith. When people say he is not risen, my friends, you could say, go and look at the empty tomb. And this is what Jesus said. It is just amazing when we have the promises of God. We know the promises of God. When we've meditated on the promises of God, 
where you've made it personal. My friends, the Holy Spirit will breathe life upon those words when you actually need it the most. And you will be anchored in your faith. And let's just look at the last one. The third message given to the woman at the womb was, at the tomb was, come and see. Matthew chapter 28 verse 6 says, come and see the place where he lay. My friends, you and I can't go to the tomb just like Mary and the other Mary and the other ladies and look at the tomb to see the empty tomb, to look at the cocoon-like wrappings that Jesus was in. Um, that cloth was that was around his face that was so neatly folded up. We can't go and have a look. We weren't there. But we can. Jesus invites us to come and look at the testimony of the woman at the tomb. We can go and look at the eyewitness accounts and we could see that Jesus truly rose from the dead. My friends, over 500 witnesses saw Jesus alive at one time after his resurrection. Thomas believed when he was a doubter. His own disciples who knew him so personally, they laid down their lives, they became martyrs because they believe that Jesus rose from the dead. It's strange that people would give their lives for something they didn't believe in. They believed in the resurrection. My friends, we cannot examine this evidence in the same way as the believers on the first Sunday, but we have the evidence of the word of God, the unmistakable witness in scripture. Don't discount that when you speak to people. Take the scriptures and speak to them about this. My friends, we have the remarkable change in the early believers as another proof of the resurrection. Before Peter denied the Lord, the disciples scattered. After he was risen from the dead, after they were filled with the Holy Spirit, my friends, their lives changed. Never discount the witness of a changed life. My friends, people where you work, where you live, will look at your life and there will be a witness about the resurrected Christ being alive within you. I guarantee you that. My friends, as the presence of God indwells us, as a sign of the resurrected Christ, people will be drawn to you as a witness of what we're celebrating today. Jesus' resurrection from the dead.